0: Hello and welcome back to the Bible Companion series with P.H. Thompson. This is Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 18, the Song of Moses. Beginning a tradition of victory songs composed after military victories, the nation of Israel sings a song taught to them by Moses. This was the oldest song recorded in Scripture. It was sung to the Lord in praise for His deliverance of them from the Egyptian army, who had pursued them to the edge of the Red Sea. He had opened up a road through the sea, the waters held back by the hand of God like walls on their right hand and left hand, and they walked through on dry land. After they passed through, the Lord released the waters, and the Egyptians were drowned. So many contemporary songs are only about feelings, but they should celebrate the great things our God has done. Moses knew in spite of how momentous this event was, people forget. It would not just be for future generations, but for this one as well, who would seem to forget it very soon after. Songs are helpful so we don't forget God or his works. It is made up of four stanzas. The first is from verses 1 through 5. God's work on their behalf was personalized. I will sing to the Lord, for he is greatly exalted. Then they say how he has saved them, both horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. It's full of personal pronouns. Because of this they could say, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. He should be praised simply because he is God, but he is also the God of their fathers. Because he fought on their behalf, they said, The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. This divine warrior motif is throughout the Psalms. David appeals to him in this way in Psalm 35, 1-3. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and armor. Arise and come to my aid. Brandish spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to me, I am your salvation. So what did he do for them? Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. The second stanza is in verses 6 through 10. Here the focus turns their attention back to God. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. Here we see the anthropomorphism of a strong right hand used to defend the powerless. You unleashed your burning anger, it consumed them like stubble. His anger is pictured as a fire. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. Something as effortless as breathing is used to describe how God separated the waters of the Red Sea. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. This was how it appeared to them. They didn't just wade in at a more shallow section, as a modern retelling of the story suggests. How would they get their carts, animals, and children across? Then they remind themselves of the thoughts and arrogant boasts of Pharaoh and his officials. The enemy boasted, I will pursue them, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But all their plans were for nothing. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. At the end of the first stanza they are described as sinking like a stone, now like lead. Either way, you know they will not rise again. Nehemiah 9:11 will recall this event to future generations. You divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground, but you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. Here are the idea is that God threw his enemies into the water like a rock. Psalm 78:13 says, "He divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand up like a wall. The third stanza is in verses 11 through 13. They compare the Lord to pagan gods, like the ones he had just soundly defeated in Egypt. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. Psalm 35.10 says, My whole being will exclaim, Who is like you, Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them the poor and needy from those who rob them. That's what he did in Egypt. You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. This pictures what happened to the Egyptian army, but it would also happen in the wilderness during the rebellion of Korah. In Numbers 16 and 32. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. This is the first mention of the word redeemed, which carries the idea of deliverance from slavery, something purchased for a price from something one is helpless against, in this case Pharaoh and his enslavement of them in Egypt. Then we're given an end point or destination. In your strength you will guide them to your holy dwelling. They are not merely saved out of Egypt, but they are saved to go to a new nation for the purpose of worshipping God. Uh, The fourth and final stanza is in verses 14 through 17. They knew that as a result of this event, the surrounding nations who watched from both shores and saw what God did for his people would be afraid. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. These were peoples east and west of the Jordan. Look at those adjectives. Tremble, anguish, terrified, seized with trembling, melt away, terror and dread. This is not mere anxiety that this nation is approaching. This will be proven when they enter Jericho 40 years later. People were still talking about what God had done. In Joshua 2, 8-11, to it records Rahab's interaction with the spies. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. This encouraged the Israelites to fight against the demoralized and fearful city of Jericho. After reporting what happened in Jericho, they said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. By the power of your arm they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you bought pass by. Again, the idea of God's strong right arm bringing them out is pictured. As a result, the people will be immovable like a stone. They will just watch helplessly as the Lord's people pass by them. They call themselves the people you bought. This picture is a slave market. These slaves were purchased to be set free. The reason for this, you will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. Their future is bright. They are going to a particular place chosen ahead of time by God where he will dwell and they will worship his sanctuary. It is sure because God's hands have established it. Then the closing verse of the song sums it all up. The Lord reigns forever and ever. This speaks of the universal eternal reign of the Lord and points forward to Jesus the Messiah. David would mention this in Psalm 145:13 "Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. God would look back on this attitude of gratitude and praise fondly, especially just before the exile to Babylon when the nation all but forgot him. Hosea 2.15 speaks of a future time after the coming exile when they would be like this again. God says, There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. Verse 19, summary verse. Then we're given a summary verse of the reason they are praising God. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Here we see the contrast and distinction made again between the Egyptians and the Israelites. Egyptians in water, Israelites on dry ground. And this is attributed only to the Lord, He brought the waters of the sea back over them. He was fighting for them. Verses 20 and 21, The Song of Miriam. This song, taught by Moses, inspires his sister Miriam to also compose a song of praise. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her, with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver, he has hurled into the sea. In future, these victory songs would also be sung by women. She is called a prophet or prophetess. She was the first woman given this honorific title. Others would be Deborah, Huldah, Isaiah's wife, Anna, and Philip's four daughters. Singing and dancing were part of the praise of God. The content of this song was a synopsis of what God had done to earn this praise from his people. It was similar to singing a chorus. Verses 22 through 26, the waters of Merah, a miracle. Then it was time to move forward. They couldn't remain at the seashore indefinitely. Moses led Israel from the Red Sea into the desert of Shur. We're told, for three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Not only was there no water, the water they came to at a place called Merah, meaning bitter, had only bitter water, so it was undrinkable. And this place is associated with modern-day Ein Hawara, where the water is still brackish and unpleasant. Naomi, meaning pleasant, would later take on this name to describe how she felt God had taken her from being a pleasant young woman to being a bitter middle-aged woman. Ruth one twenty. It took only three days for them to forget the wonderful deliverance God had accomplished for them. All they could think about was their parched throats and their complaining children and animals. Difficult circumstances sometimes reveal the genuineness of our faith, like the scorching sun in the parable of the sower. Even believers can be tempted to worry and fret, but we should cast our cares on the Lord. Instead of crying out to God, they complained to Moses. This was already their third complaint. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Even though they didn't go to God with their problems, Moses did. He cried out to the Lord who showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water and it made the water fit to drink. We know this was a miracle because that is not the normal process for making unpotable water potable. This should have showed the Israelites that God was not limited by obstacles that they could see. All of creation was his to control. This wasn't just a fluke along the way. God had led them to this place, and he did it for a reason. He was testing them. Would they trust him? The word test refers to something, subjecting something or someone to hardship to prove the quality of something. We see this when gold is tried or tested by fire to remove impurities and result in a pure product. Job mentions this. He says, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. But they were also testing him, as in trying his patience. They may have thought they were testing to see if he was trustworthy. Moses would remind them of this in Deuteronomy 6.16. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. It referred to this incident, but he renamed the place itself testing because they tested each other. Then the Lord gives a conditional promise to the wilderness generation. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. We learn about God's character by his names. Here he reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, or the God who heals. Verse 27 Camping at Elam. Then, after God had provided a wa- water for them, he brings them to an oasis with an abundant water supply for a rest. Then they came to Elam where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads do we find in this chapter? When we contemplate the great deliverance of God, it should lead us to songs of praise. He was their strength, their song, and now he had become their salvation. Jesus is our strength, song, and salvation. God fights for his people as the divine warrior. Jesus fights for his people. They compared God to the gods of Egypt and realized he was superior to them. Jesus has a name above all names. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. God rescued and redeemed the Israelites from the Egyptians who were too powerful for them. Jesus rescued us from the strong men by binding him first. Our redemption is even greater than the exodus from Egypt. Their enemies would hear of what God has done and they would fear them. People heard of what God had done and wanted to be saved. Act 16. The surrounding nations would be powerless to fight against what God was doing. People can't fight against God. God redeemed them from slavery so that they could serve him. We have been redeemed to serve God. The Lord reigns forever and ever. Jesus reigns forever and ever. God accepts worship. Jesus accepted worship. After a spiritual high, the Red Sea crossing, they faced severe testing and hardship led there by God. We may go from victory to trials or even from the high of worship on Sunday to a week of real life. We should remember the faithfulness of God in the past and that he has led us to our present circumstances. God promised to be their healer. He is our healer. God led them to an oasis of rest after their ordeal. He gives us times of rest and refreshing. Continue listening for Exodus chapter 16. May God bless the study of his word.